Well, we've started a new series called Engage. Um, we're looking at the importance of engaging Scripture in our everyday lives, the importance of knowing what God's Word says and growing in that. And so um, last week we talked about how uh, God's Word is just unbelievably powerful. Amen? Uh, nothing can stop it. No, no, no forces of hell against it are going to be able to take it down. Uh, we talked about from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, uh, was the text that we used, and it says that God's word is powerful and effective, sharper than any double-edged sword. Thank you very much, sweetie. Um, sharper than any double-edged sword. But I'm glad that his word is powerful. Amen? I'm glad that no matter what, his word remains the same. No matter which version you're using, no matter, God's word is God's word, and it's going to win out. Amen? And so we, we spent some time looking at that to really get us going into this series. This week, though, we're going to look at God's Word from a little bit of a different standpoint. And we're going to look at how it's a powerful lamp and light to help us see. Our text today is Psalms chapter 119. I'd like for you to flip there, but while you've got your Bibles out, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11 and put a marker there. Those are the two main places we're going to be. Uh, Psalms 119 is a familiar chapter in the Bible. In fact, if you don't know it, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It is, when we get to that in our daily reading time, normally it's the only chapter. It's not four chapters that day. It's like Psalm 119, and that accumulates a lot of it. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's also one that most of us are going to be familiar with, just because there's so much rich goodness there in it. Um, the whole chapter, though, if you were to summar summarize it, deals with delighting in God's Word, enjoying it, growing in it, knowing it, taking it and moving forward in what it says. Now, it's a fun read, and you should try this sometime. Take the whole chapter and replace the words in there that say concept or precept or decree and replace them with the Bible. If you were to read the whole chapter and replace all of those words with the Bible, the whole chapter illuminates how important the Bible is to our lives. And we need to take it, read it, apply it, learn it, know it, memorize it, meditate on it, grow in it, hide it deep down in our heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to it. So the whole chapter really deals with how God's word is meant to be applied to our lives. So sometime I would, I would challenge you to do that. Just go, go through and read it that way. But verse 105, again, one we're really familiar with, it says that your lamp, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Famous verse. We all know it. We all know it well. Um, it's one that's been quoted. It's been sung in songs. It's been used over and over again. Now, my question for you today, and I do want you to respond by a show of hands, how many of you have ever been walking through your house or through a dark room and stubbed your toe? Raise your hand. Keep it held high for just a second. I just want you to look around and realize you're not the only clumsy one in the room. We've, we've all been there, amen? We've all stubbed our toe. We've all been there and done that. If we had had a lamp on, we probably wouldn't have stubbed our toe. If you had had a light on, you would have seen that you were going to hit the corner of the chair. You would have noticed, hey, that chair's not where it's supposed to be, and realized you were about to go stumbling, tumbling, rumbling all the way through the rest of the house, hiding those words from coming out that you wish no one would ever say, right? Now, how many of you would agree that we're living in a dark world? I would. It seems like every day it's growing more and more and more dark. It seems like every day 
places where the word of God, the light and the lamp of God's word that's lifted up, it's more evident than ever before that there is a light in that dark place. Everywhere we turn, the darkness is there. So as we're living in this uh, dark world, there's no reason for us as believers to be stumbling around as though we've stubbed our toe all the time because we have a light and a lamp to help us through every day, amen? There's no reason for us to, 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 to hit something and fall over every time we turn around. So today I'm going to take this verse and we're going to just use the two metaphors that are there and we're going to examine that for our, our sermon today. Uh, number one, it's a lamp to my feet. God's word is a lamp unto my feet. Now, in the Old Testament, sometimes it gets allegorical and we're supposed to learn from the story. In the New Testament, it gets very uh, instructional. Here's what you do. Do not do this. Now, I'm down with that, right? I, I can try to learn from somebody else's story, but sometimes I just need you to make it plain. We're going to use both. In Luke chapter 11, we're going to see, uh, verses 33 through 36, how God, Jesus takes the same principles of, of God's word being a lamp and a light and begins to apply them to New Testament living. So read this along with me. You can read on the screens or in your Bible there. Uh, it'll be on the screens for you to follow along. It says, no one lights a lamp and hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen and by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you're filled with light, with, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be as radiant, will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. You know, I learned a trick the other day. If you ever go camping, and you don't have a, um, a lantern with you, but you have one of those headlights, I, I don't know how many of you, but if you have one of those headlights that straps onto your head for going into the attic or other places. It's amazing how often your children will find them and think that it's their toy to play with. I think I'm on my third one now because the rest of them have been lost to somebody's toy box. I still haven't figured it out. But if you take that and you have a jug filled with water, turn the light around and set it on the jug, it will cause the entire jug full of water to illuminate like a lantern. It's a simple trick that works, but here's the truth. If what's in it is pure, the light will emanate from it. You fill that same jug full of milk, even milk. It's white. It's supposed to represent purity, but it's not. It's filled with stuff that keeps it full. It won't glow the same way. If you take uh, a Coca-Cola and try that, it's not going to work because Coca-Cola is nasty and you should never put it in your body. Dr. Pepper's a little bit different. This is the Lord's drink. We're going to have that in heaven. It's a different story. But here's the truth. If what's in us, if what we're putting in is pure and we're allowing it to purify us, it'll be like the flashlight. It'll be like a floodlight filling us with light so that it emanates to everyone around us. So what Jesus is saying here is, listen, I've already told you that the, that the lamp and the light is God's word. That's what Psalm 119 made plain. He's already spoken that. They knew that. They knew the Psalms. So he's saying, listen, you already know the word of God is the lamp and the light. But we've got to remember this, that the Bible, though it was penned by many people, by different authors over thousands of years, it only has one author, amen? And that author is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the living word, right? 
He's the one who pinned it into their hearts to write it down. He's the one who wrote it through them. We get to receive it and benefit from it. So if, if, if in Psalm 119, the lamp is the word of God, in Luke chapter 11, the lamp is still the word of God. So what Jesus is saying here is if you will allow it, the word of God will fill you with light. God's word will fill you with light. The way that light or darkness comes into our bodies, he makes plain too. What do you see? What do you see? Now, in generations gone by, preacher after preacher would rail against the different cultural issues of the day, right? There was a time and place that preachers would tell you don't go to a movie house. If you go to a movie house, you're probably not gonna make heaven your home. Tell you that hell is hot. And the movie house is the gateway to get you there. Anybody remember those types of sermons? I I remember those. I remember if you listened to anything that wasn't Christian music, then you were definitely not going to make heaven your home. I remember those days. I'm not saying that everything that's out there is going to send us on a one-way ticket to hell. But what I am saying is that if we're not careful, we can choose things that are supposed to just be beneficial or something that's supposed to just be entertainment and allow it to have control over us. See, Jesus said that we allow light and dark to come in our bodies by what we're looking at. What are we observing? What are we reading? What are we taking in? Whether it be the news or whether it be through social media or whether it be online or the movies or whatever on our computers, it doesn't matter. Statistically speaking, it's, it's mind-blowing how we're entertaining ourselves with these little devices in our pockets. It's scary, the statistics. And one of these days, I'm going to spend a sermon, and we're just going to talk about some of the cultural references and the issues that are facing our kids and teenagers and and our grandkids, because it's a different day coming up that they're facing. Things that we never thought of having to face, they are literally carrying around in their pockets. And we're going to have to take a realistic approach of what's healthy and what's whole. In fact, now they're talking about mental health issues caused by overuse of our phones. We've got to be aware and be, be understanding of what God's doing. We've got to take a moment and step back and say, God, this may be okay. After all, Paul said in Romans that everything may be, bene- uh, may, may be permissible, but it's not beneficial. There are plenty of times I've had moments where it's like, okay, you can do that, but it's not good to do that. You know what's not really good to do? Overeat every meal. But how many times do you do it? I went from preaching to meddling, I know, right? Here's the thing. We've got to take a moment and step back and see what the Bible says. Let light or darkness come into our bodies. We've got to choose to choose the light and stay away and shun the darkness. So think about this. How much darkness do we see every day? If that's the case, why then are we not allowing God's word to light our lives every day? It's, it's, we've got to take a moment and step back. No matter how, how many dark things you've seen in your life, and I've had this thought Uh, uh, thrown at me a couple of times, but pastor, if you knew what I had done, if you knew where I had been, if you knew the things that I had seen, if you knew the things that have come across my life or I've seen, if you knew, you would understand why there's no way God could forgive me. It doesn't matter how much darkness you've seen. Anytime you walk into a room, if you flip on the light switch, darkness always flees from the light. Every single time. It can't help it. It is not powerful enough to overtake it. 
The only thing that can overtake the light is if we choose to turn it off. As long as we keep it on, it's going to make a difference in our lives. So no matter how much, darkness cannot overtake light. Let me give you a few more references. Exodus 25, 37. Then make the seven lamps for the lampstand and set them so that they reflect their light forward. Now, in this verse, it's a small verse. It's talking about the light in the Holy of Holies. But there's so much detail here I want you to see. There's, because he doesn't just say make a lampstand. Making a lampstand is easy. It's like saying we're going to set a place for God's word in our life. Great, you bought a Bible. That's fantastic. You have a spot as a family. You're going to keep it. That's great. What are you doing with it? He says here to make sure to set the light so that they reflect the light forward. In other words, make sure the light is lighting your way. We need the light to move, move us forward. It shows us the way we should go. It shows us how we should walk. Think about this for a second. Here we have the lamp, uh, uh, we have a light, we have a lamp, and we have the oil. Anytime you have the light, you have a lamp, and you have oil. It's the way that works. The light represents the Father, uh, the, the lamp, um, sorry, uh, Jesus represents the light. The lamp is the Father, the light is Jesus, and the oil is the Holy Spirit. Every time. It's there. That's what they represent. Let me give you another verse. Exodus 27, 20. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. The lamp's supposed to be continually burning. In other words, if it's going to stay shining, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yes, we have to have the word of God. It's the light, but we need the Holy Spirit to continue to keep us fresh in front of the Lord. You can read the Bible like it's a storybook cover to cover and not get anything out of it. Or you can read five verses today and watch what those five verses can do in our life when the Holy Spirit pulls them apart and begins to apply them to our lives. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like we said last week, if the, the lamp is going to continue to burn, nobody else, no, no uh, effort throughout history to extinguish the Word of God has ever succeeded. It's never worked. It's going to continue to burn because this lamp is constantly burning and it lights up the darkness and reveals it for what it is. Psalm 18:28 says, "You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness." I love that. He lit a lamp for us. He pinned this book, the word of God, the lamp that we're supposed to light our lives by. He lit it up so that our lives could be uh, uh, seen for what they are. Proverbs 6.23, for their command is a lamp and their, and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. God's word, it's a, a, a lamp unto our feet. And so in the New Testament, Jesus tells us a little different story about the lamp that I want to look at. See, in Luke 15, he tells these parables, these series of parables about three things that get lost. Anybody ever lost something? Anybody lose anything today? You had to go searching for it through your house? You know what always happens to me? Anytime I lose something, what, what is the first thing you do these days? You get out your phone, you hit that little button, you flip it up, and you turn on the flashlight, right? You start looking around, because it might just show up a little bit better if the light's on. That's what we do. That's the way it works in, the, in, in today. Just yesterday looking for something that one of the kids lost. It went down in between the chairs. And so I'm down there, I'm looking, I get my light out, and all of a sudden you could see what it was. Well, Jesus tells these three stories about the sheep and the coin and the son that all get lost. And the son, we, we recognize that story often, right? It's the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. But when she, when, in, in verse number eight, 
it says this. It says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Listen, if I lost anything gold, I don't care if it's fake gold. I am breaking out of a lamp, a light, flashlight, spotlight, something. For, for Christmas a couple of years ago, I got a, I got a gift because for some reason people think I like huge flashlights. I don't know what it is. I have three now. But this flashlight that was given to me, it will shine for half a mile. I'm that neighbor that takes it, goes out in the backyard, turns it on, and holds it up over my fence and shines it all around. Just so everybody knows I've got a flashlight, right? Down the road from our house, we have some uh, radio towers, right? And from my house, I can light them up and you can see the red and white changing colors on those radio towers. Just for fun, just because you can, right? That's, that's what we do. We take, we get out the lamp, and we light up when we've lost something. Now, there's plenty of pr practical applications for this. But what about spiritually for a second? Have you ever lost uh, a friendship? Have you ever lost a marriage or a child? Maybe not in death, but in relationship. Have you ever lost a, a, an investment? You've lost your health. See, Jesus says here, when you lose something, light the lamp. Get out the lamp and look for it. Anytime we lose something, practically, we get out a flashlight. But spiritually, if we're losing something, the best thing we can do is get out God's word and begin to look in it. It applies every time. I've never gone through loss in my life that his word didn't illuminate where I could help and what I needed. It, didn't, it never has failed me. That's the thing. We've got to take a moment, step back, and say, Lord, in this moment of sorrow, how can you help me through this? When you've lost something precious, something that's near, something that's dear, Light the lamp. His word will do it. Because here's the truth. Sitting alone in the darkness is no fun. Sitting alone in the darkness of life, all it does is give strength and strengthen the grip of depression in our lives. You want to get depressed really quick? Sit alone in the dark all the time. Never open your blinds. Never go out. Depression will quickly seize you. It's, even as much as opening the blinds will make a difference in the same way. God's word makes the difference. So not only is God's word a lamp unto my feet, but it's a light to my path. It's a light to my path. Again, looking at New Testament, Old Testament, it's a light to our path, and we get that. We need it. We don't need just to light up right around us, but we need to see where we're going. Well, in 1 John chapter uh, 1, verses 5 through 7, the apostle says this. This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you that God is light, and there's no darkness in him at all. It's good news, isn't it? So, verse 6, so we're lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light, or we're living full of the Bible, since we know that that's what God's word is, is the light. If we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What a beautiful passage. What a beautiful reminder that we need the word of God in our lives because it keeps us where we're supposed to go. In fact, John 3.20 says this, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for their sins will be exposed. Now, every time I was ever in trouble as a kid, how many of you have ever done this? First thing you do is go and hide it, right? Anytime I knew I was supposed to have done something, Travis, get that room cleaned up, what did I do? You better have it cleaned up by the time I get home. My mom was notorious for that statement right there. 
I want that room clean by the time I get home today. She'd get home at 4.15 from the hospital. At 4 o'clock, I'm running in the room, shoving everything I could underneath the bed and in the closet, praying to Jesus that she didn't open the closet or look under the bed, right? Because you knew if, if she did, you were going to die in the same way. We've done some wrong when we've allowed darkness there. We, we don't want people to illuminate it. We don't want it to be seen. Well, here's the truth. R.A. Torrey said it best. Sin will keep me from this book, and this book will keep me from sin. If we're allowing sin in our hearts and in our lives, it's going to keep us from the Bible. All of a sudden, our desire for this is not going to be there. If we take the time and get in this, it's going to expose us for what it is. Think about the verse that we just read. It's exactly what we do when we allow evil things or if we're full of darkness. We don't want anything to do with the light. But the truth is, if we're in trouble, if we've been living in sin, we've got to fight the urge to hide from it and instead run to it, run to the light. Because light always dispels darkness, amen? Light wins every single time. There's no argument between light and dark. Like we said earlier, flip on the light switch, light always overtakes dark. If you have a dark area anywhere in your life, it, the best thing you can do is read the Word of God. So think about it. The Bible is a lamp to your feet. It shows me where to set my feet. It shows me what, uh, what the path is I should be on. It also shows me which direction to go. I want to take just a minute here, and, and I want to teach, you as a, as, teach us as a body how to hear from the Lord and get a word from God from God's Word. Okay? And, and, and imagine that. The Bible's going to be our example. Okay? How many of you had to make tough decisions in life? Raise your hand. How many of you would have been much easier if in those decisions, God's word would have explained to you what you were supposed to do? It'd be nice if God would step down at every turn and say, no, 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 don't do that. Bad move. God's word can lead us along. I want to show you. Though this word was written thousands of years ago, it still applies every single day. So the first thing we have to do if we're going to get a word from God is enter into his presence. And imagine that the Bible tells us how to do that. Psalm chapter 100, verse number two. Worship the Lord with gladness, come before him singing with joy. Verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. We've gotta enter his courts with worship, we've gotta get alone, we've gotta get uh, in our quiet place, be before him and worship him. Worship him until you know that he is near. You sense his presence is there and it's close to you. Because if you want to hear God, you've got to come into his presence and establish a line of communication. You're never going to hear from God if the only time you ever pray is over your meal. And if you pray like some of the kids that I've heard pray, Lord bless these sinners for their dinners, it's probably not going to work. Right? We've got to get past that and, and get into his presence. Once we get into his presence, once we've come in with thanksgiving and gladness, then we pray, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Essentially, what he's saying here is if you're concerned about something, tell me. I can fix it. You ever had your children come to you and, and they're worried or they're concerned or they're angry about something and you can't fix it? And what do you want to tell them to do? Go, go tell somebody else who can actually do something. Maybe a coworker, better example. Sometimes if you can't fix it, don't worry about it. Go to the one who can. And Jesus says, come to me. I can fix it. If you want to talk about your marriage, 
I'm the one who can fix it. You want to talk about your job? You want to talk about your, your children, a uh, crummy coworker, what to do with your finances, whatever you need, tell me. Make your request known. And then once you start doing that, I want, I want you to try this. I want, I want, I want you all to, to just, just trust me and just try this. Write your prayers down. Begin to just jot them down and be honest. And, and if you need to, blame me. Maybe it'll sound something like this. Dear Lord, pastor asked me to try this, and I'm pretty sure he's crazy. Are you sure you really know him? Anyway, here I am. Forgive my chicken scratch and my poor grammar. But Lord, I need to talk about my kids. Lord, I pray that you would surround them with good friends. I ask that you would bless them with wisdom. Put godly influences everywhere they go. Give them wisdom, give them understanding, so on and so forth. And what begins to happen as you do that is, is eventually you'll start to shift in your writing as you hear from the Lord because you go from the prayer stage to the proclamation stage where God begins to speak back into you and you'll begin to write down things like, I have got them in the palm of my hand. I know exactly what's going on with their life. No matter what problem you may see, I know all about it and I've got them. Don't worry about it. I have everything under control. Trust me. Because God begins to speak to you and as he does, write that down, amen? As he begins to show you, write it down because that's what happens. When God begins to speak his word into you, you've got to write it down during your prayer time. Now, this is when we get the Bible out. As, as God begins to speak to us, get your Bible out. It's great. Have a daily reading plan. I'm all for that. Read, read, read every day. But when these moments come, you know what I do? I don't go to my daily reading plan. I've already done that. I get out the Bible and say, Lord, what do you want me to read? Or, or if there's a story, a Bible story that's on my heart, I'll read there. If I'm praying about my marriage, I'll begin to go and read about marriages in the Bible. I'll go read about Ruth and Boaz and, and different ones and how God saw them through whatever they were after. I, I just begin to do that. And amazingly, what happens is God begins to speak. Now, I'm not a big fan of this method. This is a method I've seen happen. People say, okay, Lord, I need a word from you. They take their Bible and they open it up and they put their finger down. The problem is a businessman did that and when he looked down, it said chapter 11. Not a good idea. He thought that was a good idea because he had heard of a, another businessman did that and, and it, he looked down and it said livestock. So he got into cattle and then he had done it again and he did that and it said oil. So he got into the oil and gas business and had made a fortune. This businessman filed bankruptcy because it said chapter 11. I'm not, again, I'm not a proponent of that. Thing is, if there's a story that you know or you remember, read it. There have been plenty of times I've gone to the story of David like just this last week in my prayer time, Lord, I need some answers. And I began to go and look and I began to see how God provided no matter what. We've just got to get along with the Lord. Once we've done that, once we feel like God has spoken to us, we've got to put it into action. This is where, uh, where you trust God and you begin to do what his word said. Do what his word said. Don't allow fear to paralyze you. Take that step of faith. Begin to step out, move into action. Because when you've read the scripture and it lines up with what God has already spoken to you, put it in place, it's what God's saying. Now, for those of you that have been, for, been around forever, one of those stories might sound like this. When Pastor Dan said, you know what, we're gonna build a sanctuary. And the banks wouldn't give him any money and he goes to the Bible and wakes up one Saturday night and, and goes to the Bible where God put the verse on his heart and reads, therefore arise and build ye my sanctuary. 
He came in the next morning and said, listen, God's word said this, and this is what God said. We're going to build a sanctuary. And you know what? God did it. It doesn't have to be on that grand of a scale. Perhaps it's a, a decision that you're making. Uh, just a couple of analogies, stories from my own life. When we were making the decision nearly six years ago about whether Rachel and I were going to come and be a part of this church staff and be a part of what God was doing here, you know, it wasn't the easiest decision. We wrestled with it, and we said yes, and we said no, and we said yeah, yeah. Eventually, we said no, and eventually, we came back to God's word because we couldn't get away from this is where God might, would have us to be, and we revisited it, and I sat down with Mike, and he said, I feel like I've been left at the altar. I said, I could imagine how you would feel that way because it's kind of what we did, but we want to make it right, and we feel like this is where God would have us to be. Yes, and it's been a wonderful six years. We've loved every moment of the journey. But it took God's word because when I went to the book of Genesis during that season in my life, God said, this is the place. If you'll stay here, I'll bless you. Trusting in the Lord. Long before Rachel and I had any children, we talked about one day we were in youth ministry. We want to adopt. The movie The Blind Side had just come out. Fantastic movie about adoption. I loved it. And we always thought we'd have our own version of The Blind Side. One of our kids, friends, Older in life would kind of be the case. Never thought about adopting a newborn. But we'd had two children, wanted to have a third, unable to have a third. And we said, Lord, it's in your hands. We're happy with our two children. We're blessed. We love them. But then God put this moment in our heart where we said we're supposed to adopt. And again, not planning on newborn. Because I don't know if you know anything about private adoption, it is ridiculously expensive. And yet the more we got into it, we just knew this is what God wanted for us. And we said, God, we don't know how you're going to provide. Because if it's up to me to write the check, I don't have it. And yet you've met Hayes. Because we had a word from the Lord. Go for it. Step out. Trust me and I'll provide. He's three and a half. Three and a half wonderful years. And every parent knows exactly what that means. <laughs> it's three and a half great years, right? Here's the thing. We all have these moments in life where we've got to make the choice. We all have these moments in life. There's, there's two verses I want to close with that really illuminate this for us as we step out and take this step of faith. Isaiah 55, 12 says, You will indeed go out with joy, and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. In other words, you'll be led forth with peace and joy. I'm gonna have peace about what I'm doing and I'm gonna have joy that this is what I'm supposed to do. One more verse, Isaiah 30, 21. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. In other words, when you decide I'm gonna go for it and this is the direction, God's going to confirm this is the way you're supposed to go. Now, here's where we get to today, though. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I'm facing some decisions and I need a word from God. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how this is going to play out in front of me. Guess what? His word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. His word. Get in his word. It will be a lamp. It will be a light. Trust him to see you through. Amen? This, this word has every answer you need. His word has it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you'd say, Pastor, you know what? 
First of all, God's word has really been dealing with my heart the, the, the whole day from worship to the message, every part of it. It's got me really drawn into, God, what are you doing? And today I've allowed sin in my heart, but I want to I want to get back right with the Lord. I want to confess my sin. And I want to come into his grace and understanding. And if that's you and you would say, Pastor, that's me. I've got sin in my life. And today I want to come home to his grace. Would you just slip up a hand? All right. Who else? Looking from my left, your right, or the other way. Okay. I see that. Anybody else? Okay. In just a few moments, we're... We're going to pray with you. We're going to have elders that are going to meet us around the front. But here's where the rubber meets the road for all of us. Sinner and saint alike. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor, man, I sure have allowed God's word to be moved out of my life and I've made my own decisions. And I want to get away from that. I've got some choices that are facing me that I really need God to guide me. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand? Okay. Facing some choices, you need God's help. All right. Each and every one of us, every single day, have to decide that we're going to put God's word deep in our heart and live accordingly to it. Amen. It's not enough to just say, yes, I believe. It's, we have to take and put it into action. It's a lamp and a light, and it's a beautiful way to get through life. If you would stand all across the room, elders, prayer team, if you would make your way begin to come around these altars and as you're standing here's the here, here's the choice that we all have to make am I going to let God's word be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path because if I am it says that when we need something we're to call for the elders of the church and have them to pray for us believing God to bring healing and wholeness if you're sick we want to pray with you if you have uh, any kind of need we want to pray with you and agree with you that's what these men and women are prepared for so if you need prayer for anything, but specifically if you raised your hand and said, you know what, Pastor, I've allowed sin to separate me from God, or I really need a word from the Lord for what's coming today in the next few days in my life. If that's you, as Rachel begins to sing, Josh is playing, if that's you, I want you to get out of your seat and make your way forward. If you raised your hand or you need prayer for anything, just begin to come this way as they sing.